Marbley family, today is Palm Sunday. It's a day that we celebrate Jesus's triumphal entry into Jerusalem, uh, the last week of his life before his death. And so it's always a special day for us because we're anticipating Easter next Sunday and we wanna prepare our hearts. And this morning, that's what I wanna do. I wanna take us to the word and help us focus this next seven days of our lives on the things of God. And so this morning, if you have a Bible, you can go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 16. We're gonna be there in just a few minutes, give you a chance to find that while I talk about some other things. But this morning, what I want you to focus on is thinking about Jesus entering um, Jerusalem, what we call the triumphal entry on a donkey. And the people actually laid their coats down. They had just witnessed him uh, raise Lazarus from the dead just a couple of miles away in the village of Bethany. And now he's coming down from the Mount of Olives. He's entering Jerusalem and they're laying their coats and their clothes down on the street in front of him as the donkey passes over them and they're laying palm branches down. That's where the idea of Palm Sunday comes from. And they're saying this, they're saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna to the highest heaven. And so what they're doing is they're saying Jesus is the king. Jesus is unlike any other man. They're worshiping him essentially. And it causes the whole city of Jerusalem, the Bible says, to be in an uproar. Well, as we begin to think about celebrating Passion Week, I wanna, think, I wanna help you think about three words. So today there's a word, we're gonna use another word this coming Friday night for Good Friday. And then next Sunday for Easter Sunday, there'll be another word. And the three words are this, preparation, provision, and promise. This morning, I'm gonna actually use three passages of scripture from the book of Matthew. And in each of those passages, I just wanna encourage you, especially kids, teenagers, as you're watching and listening this morning uh, in your living rooms or wherever you are, to be listening for those three ideas, preparation, provision, and then promise. And so uh, this morning, the main idea, the overarching idea of what, what I want you to kind of get your mind around is the idea of preparation. Jesus called his 12 disciples to be with him for a period of three years. And really you could say that all of those three years that they were with him was essentially a time of preparation. But especially in the last days of Jesus's ministry, at the end of those three years, Jesus began to ramp that up a little bit. So you have your Bible there. Why don't you stand with me wherever you are out of reverence for God and his word, as is our custom here when we're together. And uh, let me read this passage from Matthew 16 this morning, beginning in verse 21 and going through verse 23. It says, from then on, Jesus began to point out to his disciples that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders, chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised on the third day. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Oh no, Lord, this will never happen to you. And Jesus turned and told Peter, get behind me, Satan. You're a hindrance to me because you're not thinking about God's concerns, but human concerns. When, when Jesus told his disciples this, that he was going to Jerusalem, that when he got to Jerusalem, he would suffer, that he would be killed, and then he'd be raised on the third day, they were essentially as far north in Israel as you can get from Jerusalem. They were at a place, Matthew 13 says, it's called Caesarea Philippi. That's a city. And they were in that region, that city, uh, about a hundred miles or just a little over a hundred miles north of Jerusalem. So they're, they're probably at the safest distance from where all these things are gonna happen when Jesus begins to tell them this. So Jesus is thinking about them. He's not springing it on them once they get to Jerusalem. And yes, the idea that this is gonna happen is imminent. It's not years away now, it's days away. 
because they're going to begin their journey southward to Jerusalem. And it's going to take them a little while to get there, and they're going to stop and minister along the way, and they're walking. So it's, it's a journey. But Jesus stops a couple of more times and just warns them about what's coming. Jesus is essentially trying to prepare his disciples for what's coming ahead of them. You know, Peter really represents the thinking of all the 12 disciples. And when Jesus looks at him, Jesus rebukes their thinking. He says, essentially, your concerns are human, but you're not thinking about what God's thinking about. And that's natural. That's what all of us tend to do. But then Jesus basically called their thinking satanic. He said, your thinking is a hindrance to me. And we have to think about that ourselves. Jesus was always concerned with the things of God. He was always concerned to do the will of God. This is what he said about himself. In John 8, it says, when you lift up the son of man, then you'll know that I am he and that I do nothing on my own. But just as the father has taught me, I say these things. The one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone because I always do what pleases him. Jesus was always focused on the concerns of God. Yes, he knew human behavior and he knew every one of our hearts intimately and all the hearts of his disciples, but his focus was on the concerns of God. And you may remember one of the very first times that uh, we see Jesus interacting with people in the Bible is uh, early in the book of Luke when he was just 12 years old and his parents had journeyed to Jerusalem for the Passover feast. And as they're traveling home, they realize he's not with them. And they go back to Jerusalem and they find him in the temple. And you remember what he said? He said, why are you concerned? I had to be about my father's business or I had to be in my father's house. Jesus, all of his life was focused on the concerns of God. I think though the disciples thinking kind of can be characterized this way. It can be characterized by saying uh, me, my, and mine. A lot of times if we put ourselves in the place of the disciples, we can imagine what they were thinking. You're going to Jerusalem and they're going to kill you? Wait a minute. I've seen you walk on water. I've seen you speak to storms and stop them in their tracks. I've seen you heal people that had lifelong diseases, blindness, all kinds of things. How could anybody ever kill you? You have all the power. You're God. And so I'm sure in their mind, they couldn't understand exactly what he was talking about. And they were thinking about themselves to some extent because Jesus called them out on it. They were thinking about what's going to happen to me? What's going to happen to us? What's going to happen to my, my family? What's going to happen to my life? And those are natural concerns. And it's interesting to note that later on, after the resurrection, Peter experiences this amazing transformation where he says in 1 Peter 1, 13, these words, therefore with your minds ready for action, be sober-minded and set your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Peter went through an amazing transformation. So let me just stop and ask you a question this morning. Right now, with many people focused completely on the uncertainty of our time and maybe about their future, is your mindset right now mostly about human concerns or is your thinking characterized more with God's concerns? Jesus rebuked his disciples for thinking mainly about themselves. Passion Week for us at Moberly has always been a time when we wanted to be focused on God's concerns. And so this week is no different. Human concerns right now are natural. People are concerned about jobs. They're concerned about the economy. They're concerned about their friends, sickness, their families. Those are human concerns and they're natural. And I'm not trying to suggest that Jesus doesn't care about those things, 
But in the midst of all those concerns, Jesus always taught his disciples and he teaches us to prepare us to step up and be concerned about with things, the things that God is concerned about. And so what is it that God's concerned about? God is concerned about people knowing him and having a personal relationship with him, people being reconciled to him, having their sin forgiven and having an eternal relationship with him. So right now you may be tempted with all that we're going through as a country to focus only on human concerns, especially in a lot of what we've been through recently as a church. And you may be tempted to think, well, I just don't have the energy right now to focus any attention on someone who doesn't know the Lord. I don't have any energy right now to focus on sharing the gospel because for a lot of Christians, that's the last thing they ever get around to doing because it's awkward sometimes, it's uncomfortable, it feels invasive to start a conversation with someone who may or may not wanna talk about spiritual things. So most of us are somewhat hesitant to even have those conversations. And then in light of everything that we're going through, our own grief and those kinds of things, it may seem too much. Well, do you hear Jesus calling to you today to prepare you for this week that's ahead of us, this passion week that we've got ahead of us, this opportunity that we've got to be focused on God's concerns? Jesus has been preparing our church for a very long time, for the last several years. We've made it our focus to be engaged outward, to be engaging people that are in our circles of influence, our family, our friends, our acquaintances, people that we work with, people that live in our neighborhood, all those kind of relationships that God has already sovereignly placed us in the lives of other people in order that we could use our influence and be a light to them and share the gospel with them. Because again, that's God's concern. God's concern is for people. He values people more than anything else. So. When you think about Easter, a time, especially this year, when Easter traditionally is for most people, the time that they go to church, if they're ever gonna go to church in a calendar year. And Easter, the weekend of Easter is, is, is a more highly attended uh, time at church than even Christmas time. So we're not able to gather together physically right now, but with everything that's going on with the virus and our, our sheltering in place, and the fact that there's no current sports on TV and there's a lot of reruns and things like that, people are, maybe more open, maybe they're more sensitive to the void that's in their life right now. And maybe actually right now is the perfect time to intentionally communicate with your one. You guys know we've talked about who's your one. Who's one person that you know is on your heart right now that the Lord has put in your life that you can share the gospel with, that you have a relationship with already, that you can take advantage of that relationship because they'll trust you to talk to them and share truth with them. So this week is actually an awesome time for us to share a resource with you that you can use uh, in a very intentional way with your ones, the people in your life who don't know the Lord, to share the gospel with them. Now, I have had people say to me, and I've heard this quite a bit around our church, well, I don't really have a one. Listen, all you have to do is ask the Lord to lead you to someone. It, it could be someone that helps you when you go get your groceries. It could, be, it could be anybody actually. And the Lord is probably already at work in their lives. And so if he brings you into their life, it's just another opportunity for them to hear the gospel. So if you want someone, a one, God will certainly reveal that to you. And if you don't have one, it may be because you don't want one. And I wanna challenge you to think about that. Are you focused, as Jesus said, only on human concerns? on what's good for you and yours, me, my, and mine? Are you more focused on what concerns the heart of God? And that's people's lostness.
I want you to now, while you're watching this, uh, if you have a second device there, or a tablet or another phone in the room or whatever, have somebody access mobberly.org Easter, because I want you to see some resources that we've made available uh, just in the last few days and we'll be making available in the next few days for you to access and use with your ones. And one of those is an event that we're calling What's Easter About? Let me tell you about this resource. This coming week, we're going to be filming an evangelistic gospel presentation. And it will include a painter, and it will include a very brief, uh, precise explanation and opportunity to respond to the gospel. And so we're gonna produce that, and then we're gonna make that available starting at 6 p.m. this coming Wednesday night on our website. Now, after Wednesday night at 6 p.m., it'll be there. There'll be a link there that you can send to your ones. And this is the beautiful thing. Some of you are engaging people who don't even live in this country or who live somewhere else in our country. Maybe you have relatives who don't know the Lord and, and maybe you haven't even reached out to them in a while. Well, this is an excellent time to reach out and check on them and then send them this link. It, it's gonna be 15 minutes or less, an opportunity for them to go online, download that, watch that, and then tell them, hey, when you get done watching this, would you just text me back and let me know when you're done? Would you email me or call me? And so that you can follow up with them and begin to engage them and maybe ask them some questions about that. For example, you might want to share your 15 second testimony. If you've been through our engaged classes, you know what I'm talking about. Or you might just want to follow up with a question like, what's stopping you from placing your faith in Jesus Christ right now? Can I help you with that? I'm going to do that on the video. I'm going to actually give them a chance to pray and receive Christ right where they are. So another question may just simply be, did you pray and receive Christ tonight as your savior? And, and this is a meaningful thing. I wanna challenge you guys and encourage you to use this as a resource, to be focused on God's concerns because God's been preparing for us to do this for a long, long time. So are you prepared right now to turn your focus onto God's concerns for the people in your life that don't know the Lord? The second thing you see there when you open marbley.org Easter is a, a, a box that's called Devotions and Activities. We're also making available this week some staff devotionals. Our staff is doing uh, video devotionals every day related specifically to the events of Jesus's last week, the things that went on in his life as he entered Jerusalem those last seven days of his life. And so we want you to be able to download those each day. Those will be available each morning on our website and through social media, and you'll have a chance to watch those as a family or individually. You could send those to a friend, but they're designed to help prepare you, to help you make the most of Passion Week, to help you align your mind and heart with the concerns of God this week and the things that God wants to do through you in the lives of other people. So those will be meaningful. At the end of each of those devotionals each day, there's gonna be a very practical action step that you can take in order to know what's my next thing. What do I do? Now I got this information and I loved it, but what do I do with it? Well, we're gonna give you an action step each day of the week that relates to you reaching out to your one, that relates to you engaging your one with the simple gospel. I just think God's gonna do some amazing things this week through you as you step up and allow him to use you. Matthew two, I mentioned a second ago, talks about two other times that Jesus prepared his disciples for what was coming in Jerusalem. So they start in Caesarea Philippi. They travel about 30 miles down to the region of Galilee. And Galilee, as you'll remember, is where Jesus is from. Nazareth is a town in Galilee that Jesus grew up in. 
There's also the town there of Capernaum. That was Peter's hometown. So it's a region that they're very familiar with, but they're headed south. They're getting closer to Jerusalem. And so as they get to Galilee, in Matthew 17, 22, it says this, as they were gathering together in Galilee, Jesus told them, the son of man is about to be betrayed into the hands of men. They will kill him. And on the third day, he will be raised up. And it says the disciples were deeply distressed. They know they're getting closer. They know they're just days away from these inconceivable things happening to their savior, to their master, to their Lord, the one that they've given up everything to follow. And it's not making sense to them. And then in Matthew 20, verse 17, it says they traveled even further south into Judea and they're now about 25 miles from Jerusalem. So they're getting ever closer. And Jesus pulls them aside in Matthew 20, 17 and says, while going up to Jerusalem, Jesus took the 12 disciples aside privately and said to them on the way, see, we are going up to Jerusalem. The son of man will be handed over to the chief priests and scribes and they will condemn him to death and they will hand him over to the Gentiles to be mocked, flogged and crucified. And on the third day, he will be raised. So that is what they're, they're being prepared for. What's gonna happen in the life of Jesus? Well, Jesus is also preparing us. One of the things that I mentioned a moment ago is as the week progresses this week, uh, Wednesday night, that video will be released to you. You can show it then or any other time, or you can send it to your friends then or any other time to watch. But if they watch it between Wednesday and Friday, then, and they receive Christ as their savior, then I want you to invite them Friday night at 7 p.m. to join us online for a Good Friday Lord's Supper service. We're gonna partake of the Lord's Supper together. We're gonna do that online. You can get your own juice, bread, crackers, whatever you have there, whatever you can find. And we're gonna do that together online. But if you're one, if the person that God has laid on your heart or your ones in case it's plural, the people that he's laid on your heart, if they receive Christ between Wednesday night and Friday night, then please invite them to be a part of that with you. They'll be their first time to ever partake of the Lord's Supper. Now, if they're not a believer, they can't take the Lord's Supper because it's only for believers. And so parents, if you have children that haven't yet received Christ as their savior, they're certainly able to be in the room and observe what you're doing, but they shouldn't partake of the Lord's Supper unless they're believers. But it's always an opportunity, I think, to explain to your kids the gospel and what it means and why they are or not able to participate in the Lord's Supper. So again, that's coming Friday night and, and there's a time to prepare for that. The Bible says not to partake of the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner. In other words, if you have unconfessed sin in your life, this week is the time to get that right with the Lord. We're gonna talk about that in just a minute at the end of the message, but this is a time to prepare even now on Sunday for what's coming on Friday. There's a lot to do to prepare your hearts. And then obviously next Sunday, we're gonna to gather together online at 9, 30 and 11, like we've been doing and celebrate Easter together. And whether or not your one receives Christ between now and next Sunday, please invite them to join us online for our Easter celebration. We're gonna do some unique things that day. We've got a couple of baptisms that we're gonna show you. A couple of men, brothers actually were baptized this week and we're gonna to get to show you that. And you guys will get to celebrate with those families as we celebrate that baptism together. But I wanna challenge you, we're gonna share the gospel as a part of our Easter celebration. And we're gonna focus that day on the promise. The promise that every time in these passages I read to you this morning, that Jesus talked about his death every time he talked about his resurrection. I don't think the disciples got it. I think they heard death and probably stopped right there. 
But every time he mentioned his death, he mentioned his resurrection. And so there's a promise that Jesus kept. And how does that relate to our lives now? How does it relate to his promise of his return to come back someday? You know, I think about preparing ourselves and that's what this whole message is about this morning. And uh, I was thinking about how can I illustrate that to you? And I've shared this with you before, but this is one of the clearest illustrations to me of, of something that happened in my life as a youth pastor that I wanna share with you. We used to take kids up to Wyoming on a summer mission trip. We started doing that uh, because I wanted to take them and do something sort of out of their comfort zone. And uh, I had never been to Wyoming. Uh, Lindsey Gathright, who is in our church, one of our deacons and leaders had gone to college there and he had a burden to go back because it's a part of our country that's not uh, super um, influenced by the gospel. And we wanted to have a chance to pour into that. There are great churches there in Sheridan where we worked and we partnered with several of those. But we went one year, the first year we went, and one of the doctors in town there said, listen, I've got the perfect thing. You guys drove all the way up here from Texas. I can't believe that. So I've got the perfect thing for your kids to be a part of. And, and he had this evangelistic tent that he would set up at the Sheridan Rodeo. And there was a carnival on one side of the tent and the rodeo on the other side of the tent. And Wednesday night through Saturday night, people came to the rodeo every night. And it was a pro rodeo, so it attracted a lot of people from around the country. And obviously all the residents in Sheridan and in the outlying cities came from a lot of different places to be there. So there were thousands of people there. And he had right between those two things, this evangelistic tent, this red and white circus tent, and this really dorky sign outside that said, will you go to heaven when you die? Two question test reveals answer. And, and he took me out there one night uh, and showed it to me. And I really honestly thought, does anybody come in this tent? I can't imagine anybody would come in this tent. And he said, oh yeah, we have people that come in here because what we're missing is we're missing youth. He goes, if your teenagers, your high school students could come and be the ones that invite people to come into the tent and then actually share the gospel with them when they come in the tent, I think that would be amazing. And so we didn't do it that year. The next year we went back and we did it. And so I started preparing our kids weeks before that. And I tried to help them understand what it might be like for them to step out into a road of, of someone passing by them and stop them and ask them if they would like to find out if they're going to go to heaven when they die, which seems like a pretty invasive question if you don't know somebody, right? But train them, prepare them to do that and then to invite them into the tent and actually sit down with them and have a gospel conversation with them where they shared the gospel with them. Well, the night that we were to go, I mean, I had prepared our kids. We had driven all the way to Wyoming. We get there and we split our kids up into teams. So the Thursday night was the first night we were there. The Thursday night team was getting ready to go. And we gathered together and we prayed together. And I don't think I've ever heard more earnest prayers in my life. Those kids knew that they were going to do something, first of all, that honored God, that God wanted, but that they were doing something that was completely out of their comfort zone that they were really scared to death to go do. And we prayed together, they got their backpacks on, we got on our van and we started driving about two or three miles over to where the rodeo was. Not a sound. A kid, a van full of kids on the way somewhere, first time on the trip, total silence. I mean, they are intently trying to prepare their hearts and minds for what they're about to experience. We get to the rodeo, we have to park quite a ways away out in this parking lot. We can see the tent, we get out of the van and we start walking and I'm leading them and there's not a sound, not a sound. And I had to look back at one point to make sure they were following me. They were just stone quiet. They were thinking, they were preparing their hearts and minds for what was gonna happen. I was so proud of them. When we got to that tent, 
They put their stuff down. They partnered up with their partner and they went out into that road and they began to invite people to come into the tent. And something amazing happened in almost every one of their lives. They experienced the joy of the Lord in a way that they had never experienced before because they had basically taken down all the reservations. They'd taken down all the barriers and said to the Lord, I'm even willing to do this for you. This is the scariest thing that I can imagine doing in my life, but I'll even do this for you, Lord. You mean that to me. And after uh, the first couple of people that they invited, all their fear went away and they became emboldened and and they began to really smile at people and encourage people to come into the tent and people followed them into that tent. And over the course of Thursday, Friday, and Saturday night, 800 people, about 800 people came into that tent. And of those 800, about 80 of them received Christ as their savior, teenagers, children, and adults. Now, the next year when we got ready to go back on that trip, they came home and told their stories and there were kids who would not go on that trip. Maybe you're watching and you're one of those adults now that was a student then and you went, I'm never gonna go do that. That sounds like the scariest thing I can ever imagine. I, I use that example, that story to help you realize that all of us get called by the Lord to do things that are not comfortable for us. Our comfort can't be the thing that determines whether or not we obey the Lord because he loves people enough to make me uncomfortable if that's what it takes to get me to open my mouth and share the gospel with someone. These resources that we've talked about this morning are here to help prepare you, but you still gotta have your heart ready. That's the part that nobody can take care of except you and the Lord. And so this morning, as we think about gathering for Easter Sunday, as we think about being ready to share the gospel this week uh, with our friends who don't know the Lord, inviting them to watch a video or to attend one of these events we've talked about online, what matters the most this morning is where your heart is. Jesus has been preparing you just like he prepared his disciples to be able, he's given you a great church to help you prepare, but to be able to share the gospel with people. The question is, where's your heart this morning? Now, as I talk about that, you may get a little nervous. You may think, wow, I've, I've never done anything like that. I've never actually tried to be intentional about sharing the gospel with someone. That's okay, that's okay. This will be an excellent time for all the reasons I've already described, for you to step up and do that, for you to allow the Lord to use you in a way that you've maybe never allowed him to use you before. I wanna ask you a question. I mentioned this a moment ago about being spiritually prepared. It's a simple question. Is your relationship with the Lord, is it right this morning? I'm talking to Christians right now, people who already have put their faith in Jesus Christ. But my question is this, is there anything between you and the Lord right now? Does the Holy Spirit just put his finger on something when I say that? Is there some unconfessed sin in your life? Something that you know is not pleasing to the Lord. Maybe you did it intentionally. Maybe you did it accidentally. Maybe you should have done something that you didn't do. Maybe it's that kind of sin, a sin of omission. Whatever it is, would you make that right with him this morning? Right where you are. Would you be willing to confess your sin? I want to tell you, Psalm 66, 18 says this, that if I regard wickedness in my heart, the Lord will not hear. We don't talk about that very often, but when I have unconfessed sin, when you have unconfessed sin between you and the Lord, it blocks your communication. It cuts off your fellowship. It doesn't end your relationship with him, but it blocks your communication, your fellowship. It's much like when you have a, a fallout with a close friend or maybe your spouse, and you don't resolve it and there's a tension between you and there's 
There's silence sometimes between you. Well, the Lord never sins against us, but we often sin against the Lord. And sometimes our sin is as simple as not being concerned about God's concerns. You know what some of our greatest sin is? It's pride. You know why you never shared your faith with anybody if that's you this morning? Because you're full of pride. No, no, I'm just scared. I don't, I don't know what to say. Right. But you could learn what to say. You could figure out how to share the gospel with somebody. The reason that we don't want to is we're afraid people are going to think something about us that we don't want them to think. At some point in our walk with the Lord, we have to lay our pride aside and say, what matters to me more than my pride, what people think of me, is what pleases the Lord. I want to find, I want you and I, I want to find that joy that those students experienced when they stepped out into that road in full obedience and said, I'll do whatever you want me to do, Lord. I put up no reservation to serving you. And so for you, maybe this morning, that means that you've just got to confess some sin to the Lord. The Bible promises in 1 John 1, 9, that if we'll confess our sins to the Lord, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now that, that word confess means to agree with him. It doesn't mean just to say, yeah, I know I did that. Okay, I'm sorry. No, it has to be sincere. There has to be a, a sense of repentance, which means, Lord, I really wish I had never done that. I don't ever intend to do that again. That's my heart. And if you can honestly say that before the Lord, that's confession. And so maybe for you right now, even with your family in the room, maybe you need to just bow your head and really go into a time of confession. Just ask the Lord to forgive you. You need to clear the air. Maybe if you sinned against someone, you need to go repent to that person. If you've offended them, if you've included them in your sin in some way, you need to go repent to them. If you've offended someone else, maybe you need to repent to them. But certainly, you need to repent to the Lord. And so I want to encourage you to do that. I want to encourage all of us. That's part of preparation for what God wants to do through our lives this week. Passion Week. So would you do that right now? I'm just going to pause for a minute and give you a moment of silence. And husbands, men, if you want to lead your families through just a time of confession, that's fine. If it needs to be private, that's okay too. But let's go before the Lord. I'll just lead a short prayer and then we'll give you a little silence and you can spend some time confessing whatever you need to confess to the Lord. Father, we're so glad we can approach you this morning. We're so glad that we could come before you and know that we'll always find grace in your, in your heart, Lord, that you're always going to show us grace when we come with repentance. So God, I pray now that you would hear the prayers of your people and you would honor your promises to forgive and to restore. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now I'm gonna stop there, but you may really need longer than that. Maybe you need to go be by yourself as soon as the service is over this morning. Find some place in your home or outside where you can just be alone with the Lord and let him, let him by his Holy Spirit pray something like David prayed in Psalm 139. Lord, search me and see if there be any hurtful way in me and lead me in the, in the righteous path. So maybe you need to do that. Just get with the Lord and allow him to take inventory of what's going on in your life. Get your heart right before him this morning. And then when you've done that, you're in a place to say to him, now, Lord, I want you to use me. And so 
Um, I want to ask you to do one other thing, and that's just find a piece of paper somewhere where you are. Have one of your children go grab a piece of paper or something. And I want you just to get a piece of paper, and I want you to write down each of you in the family, if each of you have someone, or maybe multiples, initials or names, whichever, of your ones. I want us to pray before we end today for our ones specifically. I actually want us to lift them up to the Lord and offer them to Him so that He can work in their lives this week and use us to do that. So just grab a piece of paper. I, I grabbed one earlier, and I just got some of our Marbley stationery and wrote the initials of my one on it. And so if you've got that, you might want to just pass that around this morning. And if your kids have someone they're reaching out to, let them write the initials of those people on there. And you and your wife or you and your husband do that now. And, and, um, and then when you get done with that, uh, the last thing I want us to do this morning is I want us to pray over these. This is going to be an amazing week in the life of our church. Even though we're not able to meet in person and even though we're distanced from each other socially, Digitally, virtually, we can still connect with each other and see God work in amazing ways in people's lives. So if you've got that, I want to ask you to do something tangible with it. If your kids are in the room, your spouse is with you, why don't all of you just put a hand on that this morning? And, and I just want to challenge you to just lift that up to the Lord, however high you want to. Let's just lift these people up to the Lord. And I'm going to lead us in a word of prayer. And when I get done, if you're not done, you can continue to pray in your home there or wherever you are for your ones. But let's lift, lift these people up to the Lord. Father, today... I lift up my one to you. I thank you for him. I thank you for our relationship. Lord, I pray that you, again, would use anything in his life to bring him to the place of decision. He knows who you are. He knows you exist. He doesn't know you personally. Lord, I pray that he would have a breakthrough spiritually. I pray you'd remove the blinders from his eyes, as the word says are there, and that he wouldn't be deceived anymore. That Lord, he would begin to see you as you are, Lord, I pray for opportunities this week as I share resources with him about who you are and your love for him. And I pray, God, that you will save him. I pray that he will come to know you as Savior this week. And I pray for all these ones that we've lifted up to you this morning. God, I pray that you would save them, that you would start a revival in Longview, Texas, through your people being obedient to you. Thank you for our time together this morning. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Well, just know, church family, that these resources are available to you. If you have any question about how to use those, you can contact us online, through social media, through our church's offices, uh, and we'd love to help you figure out ways to use those. But as you hear, as people that you're connecting to and sharing with, as they give their lives to Christ, would you please let us know about that? There's a couple of ways you can do that. Like I said, you can email us or text us and let us know. But a real obvious thing to do would be just to, to go to text Next Step one to 555-888. Either this morning, if you made some decision for Christ or you have some question you'd like help with, uh, maybe you'd like to know how to have a personal relationship with God. You'd like to know how to receive Jesus as your Savior. Or you've already done that, uh, like Tori, who was baptized earlier, and and you now want to follow the Lord in baptism. Tori, I love Tori's story. He's struggling with cancer, and he recently gave his life to Jesus Christ, and he said, I don't want to wait anymore. I want to get baptized right now. Maybe that's you. Whatever your next step is, or this week as you encounter and, and engage with someone and they receive Christ, let us know about that so that we can be an encouragement to you and to them. Thank you this morning for your attention to God's Word, and let's continue to pray as God works in our midst.